Listen, just by way of reminder too, I think it's good. You guys know this already. I always remind us of the context um, of this letter. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And remember where we began this letter. The first three chapters, the Apostle Paul reminds the believers, reminds us this morning, of all of the spiritual blessings that are ours because we've chosen to follow Jesus Christ. We put our faith and trust in him, and we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Isn't that good news this morning? By God's grace, we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it. It's simply by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ. And since we've chosen to follow Jesus Christ, what does it look like to follow him? And you guys remember the last half of the book, the Apostle Paul has been teaching us what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so as we get to the tail end, though, of this letter, we realize that when we're walking, following Jesus, there is some warfare that happens, too. There's some battles, aren't there, as Christians that we face? Are there battles we face as Christians? Or is it just you gave your life to the Lord and it's hold hands, sing kumbaya, and everything's good? No, there's a battle, isn't there? There's some weird stuff that happens, correct? And someone asked me, well, how do I know if this is spiritual warfare? Mike, I don't know. Was it spiritual warfare? I'm not really sure. Here's my, here's my answer to that question. I have no clue. I don't know what the percentages are. Was it spiritual warfare? Was it because I'm just a knucklehead? Was it because we live in a fallen world with fallen people? I'm not sure what the percentages are, but I know there is a very real battle that we face every single day. Correct? And that's what Paul's talking about here. And God wants us to be able to stand and not get knocked over by the enemy, by the devil's tricks, his schemes, his tactics. The Lord wants us to stand and withstand when we face temptation, when we face trials, when we face storms, when we face difficulties. And what's so beautiful is that God, number one, we're going to be reminded that God shares his strength with us. Look at the, verse 10 real quick. We're not going to like go super in death, but we need to be reminded. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I think it's good to be reminded that God shares his strength with us. The Apostle Paul, when he had that thorn in the flesh, he prayed and Jesus said to him, my grace is is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And the question for us is, if that power is available, I need to say, Lord, I need your strength. I have to admit, Lord, I need you. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. We need him desperately. Each and every step of our journey as we walk with the Lord, as we follow the Lord, and the Lord has his power and strength available to us as we look to him. And then Paul says next in verse 11, put on, here's something we need to do continuously, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles or the tactics or the strategies of the devil. So every day we are to put on God's armor. And not only does God share his strength with us, but he also shares his armor as well. And we're going to just review that in a moment. But why do we need to put on the armor every day? Because the enemy, Satan, is trying to steal, kill, and destroy our lives in every area of our lives. And he has certain tactics 
And the Lord has given us everything necessary to have victory in these battles that we face. Not only his strength, but his armor as well. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battle is not physical. It's a spiritual battle we are in. Against who? Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So our enemy is, is, is behind the scenes. We, it's a spiritual battle that we see the effects of the spiritual battle, but we don't see what's going on behind the scenes. And so it's not a flesh and blood battle. And so he says, therefore, in light of all of this, that's what therefore is, in light of this, take up the whole armor of God, take up every, every piece. Why? That you may be able, so we'd have the ability, to withstand in the evil day. So when things get super gnarly, right, temptations are coming, it's getting heavier and heavier, that we can withstand, we can st- stay dug in, and having done all, to stand. So we're not getting knocked over, not falling down. Stand, therefore. What's Paul trying to tell us? We need to stand, huh? Don't, you, you need to be dug in. Don't run, don't flee. We don't chicken out. We don't take the big chicken dinner. We hang in there. Because underneath are his everlasting arms. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The Lord promises never to leave you nor forsake you. You're not alone in this battle. The Lord is with you. And not only is the Lord with you, but I'm in, we're in the Lord's army. Yes, sir, aren't we? I may never march in the cavalry, ride in the inf- Is that a song? But I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. We're in the Lord's army, you guys, together. In the, we're in this together. Are you with me? Amen. We're fighting together in this battle. And so... Stand therefore, and what do we do? He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. By the way, where is Paul when he's writing this? He's in prison. And we're going to see in a moment, he's going to say, I am an ambassador in chains. So there he is, he's got chains on, and who is he chained next to? A Roman soldier. So he's looking at this Roman soldier and saying, oh, I'm going to help the believers connect the dots spiritually, and I can use this armor on this, this Roman soldier to help them understand about the whole armor of God. And what the belt does, it holds everything together, and it's the belt of what? What does it say? The belt of? The belt of truth. What holds everything? Listen, what's going to hold your life together is truth. Number one, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Jesus said in John 17, 17, as he prayed, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So not only Jesus is going to keep our lives held together, but his word is what holds our lives together, the truth. But not only that, the word means don't be a phony. Is not phony, not fake. In other words, that we are to walk in the light. John tells us in 1 John, we're to walk in the light as he is in the light. We're not to live a pretend Christian life. It is to be real and genuine, not phony. And when we do blow it, we admit we we made a mistake, confess, ask for forgiveness, ask for prayer from that person, right? We don't hide stuff. We don't conceal stuff, put on masks. That's what walking in truth means. That's what having our lives connected with the belt of truth means, is having reality, in our lives. 
And so the belt of truth holds it all together. What does he say next? Uh, Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is something we put on, right? It's good news that Jesus puts on the robe of righteousness for us, right? We're clothed in that. But we need to put on this breastplate. It's kind of like a chest protector that protects our internal organs. And it speaks of practical righteousness, doing what's right in God's eyes choosing to do what's right when no one else is watching, choosing to do what's right when people are watching and everywhere in between, bringing our life in alignment to God's word. As as David said in Psalm 23, lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be, for they shall be what? They shall be filled. Is that a promise? And so the breastplate of righteousness, and then what's next? And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so that speaks about the the soldier's shoes or his his boots. And those boots, by the way, they had little cleats on the bottom. Like for those of you who are athletes who play soccer or football, you ever seen those shoes? They got cleats on the bottom. So that they would be able to be dug in, not only to be dug in when they're fighting, but also to move swiftly as they would march or as they would travel, they had, man, their shoes were innovative, right? They had Nikes. No, they weren't Nikes. They were something else. Although Nike means to conquer. But there's a preparation that has to happen in our lives. It's a preparation of the gospel of peace. We're prepared to share the gospel. Wherever the Lord would lead our feet as we're following him, we're prepared to help people come to know Jesus Christ. We talked about that last week. And we're dug in in the gospel. No one's moving us from the gospel. Are you with me? With our shoes, we're dug in. We're confident, immovable. We walk in accordance with the gospel. And above all, look what it says next, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so the shield of faith, and remember in those days, the enemy would shoot like these arrows with, with, uh, with, with pitch and fire on them. And if they landed and hit you, you got no, no shield, you're going to be up in flames. So the soldiers would have a little shield and they have big shields too, to protect them from these fiery darts. For us, it's faith. It's simply trusting and being dependent upon the Lord and being dependent upon his word. Are you trusting in the Lord's word today? Are you trusting in him, the shield of faith? When those fiery darts come, man, you hold up your shield and say, it's gone. I trust the Lord. I don't care what lies you're sending me. I have tested the Lord's word. He's been nothing but faithful in my life. And what happens? It gets extinguished, those fiery darts. And so, listen, all day, every day, the enemy tries to light us up with those arrows, by the way. That's why if you're struggling in your faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the... Word of God. Get into the Word of God. And then the last piece of armor is what? And take the helmet of salvation. I know I am saved. I know Jesus loves me. This I know. I know I'm saved. I know I belong to Jesus. He who has the Son has life. I know I have life because I am trusting in Jesus Christ. And the enemy tries to get in our head, right? The helmet protects our mind, right? Protects our head. And you could get your bell rung a few times, but you're okay. 
Because why? Heaven is my destination. I know where I'm headed. My last breath here will be my first breath in his presence. Why? Because Jesus said so. He said what? Because I live, so you too shall live. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To live as Christ, to die as gain. It's to be with the Lord, be at home with him. It's not only our destination, gang, it's our motivation. We are to set, we are to set our mind on things above where the Lord is, being storing up treasures in heaven, putting on the helmet, and now we get some weapons. Anybody excited for that? We got our, what's, what's the first weapon here? Mmm, the sword. Is that like a little jackknife? Like, so we can give a little pokey pokey? Big Thracian sword. To do damage to darkness. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Beautiful. Uh, the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's living. It's powerful. Correct? No matter what way you swing it, it's slicing and dicing is the idea. And it's interesting that word, the word is rima in the Greek, and it speaks of specific words applied to certain situations. In other words, we know the Word of God and we apply it to certain situations that we face on a daily basis. Different situations come our way and we have the Word of God hidden in our hearts in order to deal with that temptation, in in order to deal with that situation, whatever comes our way. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, you guys? Satan came Three, same three temptations he used for Eve back in the garden. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And with each temptation that Jesus was tempted, how did Jesus respond? With what? With scripture, with the word of God. He didn't say, time out, let me get out a scroll and look it up here. He didn't say, let me Google this and find out how to respond. Did he? Why? Because you have the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And the the verses he quoted were all from Deuteronomy. Isn't that interesting? Jesus quoted more from Deuteronomy than any other book in the Bible. I find that pretty interesting. Because when's the last time you read Deuteronomy? (laughs) But it's important to understand it wasn't just quoting Scripture It was the right scripture for that temptation. Are you with me? Still, this is super super vital. Because when we get into the battle, we don't throw our Bible at the temptation. We don't swing our Bible. But here's what God says. You have a definite saying of God to meet that temptation, to meet that challenge, to meet that crisis. For example, do you guys ever have fear? Does the enemy ever try to come at you with fear this morning? Don't don't be lying in church. (laughs) David even said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, Lord. But God's answer for fear from Genesis to Revelation is what? I am with you. Is that hidden in your heart? When, When you are feeling kind of afraid or scared, remembering that the Lord is with you. How about guilt or condemnation? How many times does the enemy try to throw stuff back in your face that you did in the past, but then then you are reminded that what? That, that God said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Shh, it's 
time to slice and dice their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Is that how you do it? That's what we're talking about. You're breaking the sword out and you got it for that temptation. How about anger? Anybody here get angry ever? Someone ticks you off at work? And you're about to respond? You know what I'm saying? Some of you are smiling and laughing. You know what I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden you remember, whoosh, a soft answer turns away wrath. Touche. Right? It's not pokey pokey. <laughs> I wonder what that... I wonder what I saw in my devotional this morning online. You got the sword out. You get cut off in traffic. <laughs> Amen. You're, you're ready. You're ready to speed up around them, look in, and then you remember, what do you remember? Be angry and do not sin. Oh, maybe they're going to the hospital. Lord bless them. I'm talking about your kids are acting up. Woo, yeah. What's the answer for that? Whoosh, get ready. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I've got to take this step of faith, but I'm scared. Underneath are his everlasting arms. I don't know if I'm going to make it this month. There's more, there's more month than money. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Bam. Okay? Are you guys with me? Maybe you'll remember the thrust. You got the right, and listen, and, and you also have the right word to share with others. When they're struggling, when they need a word of encouragement, when they need to hear from heaven, you've been storing up. The good man stores good stuff, treasure in his heart that he's able to bring forth good things so that you're able to share with the people that God brings into your life that are also, they're also dealing with temptation, correct? They're also dealing with struggles and storms and life. And so now you've been filling up your heart with God's word and you got it for them. You're able to share with them. Not some psycho babble mumbo jumbo, but you're able to share the word of God that has a changing, transforming power in the seed. The DNA of the word has the power to change the life, to heal, to help, to strengthen. And then we obey his word. We walk in obedience to his word. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about that. In the spiritual battle that we're in, if we want to have victory, there's obedience to the word. Remember, Jesus talked about how many builders in life? Two builders. He didn't say there's like 32 builders. He said there's two builders, the wise and the foolish builder. And storms hit both houses, by the way. Do you guys know that none of us are immune to storms? Do you guys know that this morning? None of us are immune. Either, either you are coming out of a storm, about to go into a storm, or you're in the middle of a storm. That's life, isn't it? The final storm is death, by the way, and we have the answer for it, and that's Jesus Christ. But we're going to face storms along the way. And Jesus said, if you want your life to endure, you want your ministry to endure, your family to stay intact, he said, the wise builder hears my words and does them puts it into practice in their life. The foolish builder hears the words of Jesus, hears the word of God, but doesn't put them into practice. Pays lip service. You know what I'm talking about? We practice what we believe, the rest we pay lip service to. 
And what happens? The storm hits both houses. One stands because he built his house on the rock and one gets wiped out and great is the fall because they were a hearer and not a doer of the word. And so we got the sword for this battle, but we also have prayer too. Look at the next verse with me. I think there's two weapons in this battle that we face. He says in the next verse, verse 18, praying once a month, Praying only at the dinner table. Praying how, how much? Always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for just the saints I really like. How many of the saints? All. Who are the saints? Look around the room, right? It's okay to look around the room. A bunch of saints in this place. Because either you're a saint or you ain't. There's no in-between, by the way. Either you're trusting in Jesus Christ or you're not. And so in this room, we've got a whole bunch of saints. Correct? And so we're to be praying for all the saints and so prayer, prayer and the word of God, I think these are our two weapons. Why do I think that? Remember back in the book of Exodus when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and God was leading them. They got through the Red Sea. They came to uh, the place where there was no water and told, God told Moses hit the rock. He provided water. And then all of a sudden, the children of Israel get attacked by, remember the people group, the Amalekites? You guys remember that? And what did Moses do? He told Joshua, get your sword and go down there. What's the sword for us? The word of God. Go do battle. Moses did what? He went up on the mountain and did what? He prayed. He lifted up his hands, right? When his hands were up, there was victory. Hands went down. What happened? The team got pummeled. That should probably tell us something. You guys believe prayer works? It does. The, the problem is, why aren't we praying always? That's the, that's the issue, because it's a spiritual battle. The enemy wants to keep you and me from praying. Why? Because he knows it works too. And we can say it all day long, oh, I believe prayer works. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Then why aren't we praying always? Because it's a spiritual battle. The enemy will do everything he can to keep you out of the word and away from prayer. Does that make sense, y'all? All, all y'all hearing me? That's plural for y'all. What happens? And you guys know what happens? Okay, okay, Mike, I'm hearing you, bro. All right. Tonight I'm going to pray. I'm going to skip 5 o'clock service. I'm going to skip prayer and service to come, to go pray. And so you get home, right? And you get in your couch or chair. All right. What was that goofball saying? Okay, pray always. Oh, Heavenly Father. And you wake up and you got, it's wet and drooly. You know what I'm talking about? You, get, you know what you get, hit? you get hit? With a fiery dart with the sleep potion on it. Correct? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about? But if... 
America's Favorite Warriors on or whatever show you watch. Oh, I'm just glued to the tube, right? Because it's a spiritual battle. It's a, it's a fight. Listen, I, for me, I can't sit and pray very well. So I have to walk. I walk every day and pray for you guys. Every day I walk and pray for y'all. And so, two offensive weapons, praying always. First Thessalonians, we're told, pray without ceasing. Do you, you guys ever trip out when you don't have your cell phone on you? Like, you feel like you lost it? Has that ever happened to you guys? Somebody's checking, check, somebody's checking their pocket right now. <laughs> Did I bring it? Is it in the car? Where's it at? I wish, I wish I was that way with prayer all the time. Do you know you can ping your phone now when you lose it? Did you guys, anybody know that? with your, your phone, your, your watch, right? Maybe, maybe the Lord this morning is pinging you right now. Wanting to get in connection with you in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't what, bring it to the Lord in prayer, right? Such a good song. Listen, nothing is too small that God doesn't care. And nothing is too great for him to face, to handle. Are you guys with me on that this morning? The Lord loves to hear from you guys. I, last night was the first time, I think, in years where I had my whole family together at the dinner table. Girls back from college. And looking at their little faces and Lukey and hearing their voices. And I think, how much more our Heavenly Father loves to hear from us when we gather together to pray when we're seeking him together, how blessed he is, how awesome, and how much we miss out on when we don't pray. Remember when Joshua came, led the people, the children of Israel, into the promised land, and they, man, and they're conquering. They conquer Jericho, they come to Ai, have a little hiccup, then conquer Ai, and then all of a sudden, all the leaders in the land are going, okay, we got, we're next on the menu. We got to get an alliance and fight, fight the children of Israel. And there was this there was this group of people called the Gibeonites. You guys remember the Gibeonites? And what did they do? Here's the plan. Let's get a bunch of con men together. Get some old moldy bread. Put on some old clothes, old shoes. And send them to the children of Israel. And tell them we're from a far off land. And we want to make a peace treaty with you. We want to make a covenant with you. We hear how awesome you are, how awesome your God is, and that's what they did. And so the con men come to Joshua and the leaders, and they're like, something doesn't add up here. But you know what? It sounds pretty good. Sounds like a good thing. And what did they do? They took the bait. And it says, if you go back and read it, it's in Joshua chapter 9, if you get a chance to go back, it says, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. You know what that means? That means the Lord has counsel he wants to give you and to give me, that he wants us to simply ask, to pray, to ask for it. You have not because you ask not. And it says three days later, the con men were exposed. Can you imagine? All they had to do was just ask for counsel. And it would have been revealed to them in three days. But we run out ahead of the Lord, don't we? We don't wait for his counsel. We don't look to his counsel. When all they had to do was ask. Do you understand that with me this morning, gang? 
You guys understand this this morning? This is crucial. All prayer, he says. Praying always with all prayer, all sorts, eyes open, eyes closed, standing, sitting, kneeling, walking, whatever mode you choose. What matters is the posture of your heart, by the way. Does anybody want a life filled with drama? How about peace and quiet? Do you guys like peace and quiet? Does that sound good? That sound good, y'all? Peaceful, quiet life. Therefore, Paul says to Timothy, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Did you guys catch that? That's in 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Want a peace and peaceful and quiet life? You're a man or woman of prayer. Praying for a king, praying for all men and kings. You know who that would be the equivalent for us this morning? Who it would be? Who would, who would be the leader of the country? I'm to give thanks for him and pray for him? Do you remember who the president was at that time, the leader? Caesar Nero. He was brutal. Killer of Christians. Paul doesn't say, you know what, get a bumper sticker that says Nero's a zero and slap it on your chariot. (laughs) Or go viral. He says start praying, giving thanks, interceding, that you would lead a quiet and peaceable life. Doesn't that sound good? Quiet and peaceful. Unless you want drama, be someone that doesn't stay online in prayer. Right? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why? We let down our guard. We start to freak out and panic. We're no longer praying. We're no longer got our eyes on the Lord. We're no longer online spiritually. And so Paul reminds us in this battle we're in to keep praying all prayer, all supplication in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. It means our, our hearts, our minds get in line with the Holy Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. Listen, it's hard to pray in the Spirit if we're grieving the Holy Spirit, by the way. We learned about grieving the Holy Spirit, didn't we, earlier? Or quenching the Spirit. We can pray in the Spirit when we're walking in the Spirit, when we're led by the Spirit. And if we're harboring unforgiveness or bitterness, you know what? Our prayers are probably on bungee straps. They're hitting the ceiling because I'm not in the Spirit. I'm grieving the Holy Spirit, right? Because we are to forgive one another how? As God in Christ has forgiven us. Being watchful to this end, he says. Being watchful to this end. Being alert. Being sober. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in the garden? Watch and lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And what happened to the disciples? Every time Jesus took them to a prayer meeting, they fell asleep. Up on the mountain, in the garden. 
I think, personally, when Peter was writing his first epistle in chapter 4, I think when he was writing that, he was thinking back to the garden. Because when Jesus got up from praying, he was able to stand. Why? Because he was on his knees in prayer. And Peter said, as he wrote his letter, he said, but the end of all things is at hand. And what? Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. To be alert. To be awake. To be sober-minded. Why? Because your prayers matter. Your prayers matter. My prayers matter. We are to do with all perseverance. Jesus said men always ought to pray and not faint. It means to stick to it and not quit. You keep, pr- you keep praying till God answers you or he tells you to stop. How about that? Keep praying until God answers you or he tells you to stop. Does he ever tell you to stop? He does. Do you, know, you guys know that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, Paul had a thorn in his flesh and a messenger from Satan to buffet him, to beat him, along with that thorn in the flesh. And he prayed three times, right? And then he listened, and Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul, I'm not taking the thorn away. You have my grace and my strength that's sufficient for you. You keep praying until the Lord says, you know what? My grace is sufficient, my strength. I'm not going to take that away. I'm going to leave that in your life. I'm going to leave that in your life, that, you would, that my anointing would remain upon you. That you would stay in a place of being usable in my hands. It's amazing to consider that. Notice what he says next, supplication for all the saints, praying for every believer. It says in Job 42, God restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. We pray our Father, who art in heaven, it's a family prayer, isn't it? Our Father. We pray for all the saints. And then look what Paul says next. He says, and for me, pray for me, that why? That utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought. This is so good. As I ought to speak. What's Paul's request? I think this is so, inter- this is so intriguing, interesting. He doesn't say, guys, pray that I would get sprung from prison. Does he? Pray that things would be better for me, my conditions would be better in jail. He prays what? That I would have boldness. I would have courage. That I would receive from heaven what I need, the words to speak, the boldness to share it, the good news, the mystery. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Great is the mystery of godliness. That God was manifested in the flesh. God became a man to save us from our sins, to come and die on the cross for our sins and rise again on the third day to offer us forgiveness and eternal life. That I would have boldness to proclaim that because the gospel is the power of salvation unto all that believe. You guys, isn't it interesting? Paul needed to pray for boldness, by the way. Do you guys see that? Acts chapter 4, 
the early church prayed for boldness in the face of persecution and being harassed and hassled. They didn't pray for, for things to lighten up. They prayed for the Lord to give them boldness and to stretch forth his hand and to heal and to do signs and wonders. And what happened? God answered that prayer. God gave them boldness. He, he refilled them. He gave them a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and boldness to speak the word of God. You know, that's a good prayer for us to pray, isn't it? Do you guys ever chicken out? Nobody ever hear chickens out? You're not courageous. You're not bold. This is a prayer to pray right here. To pray for one another. Lord, give me boldness to share your word. Listen, I, I tell you what, I'm eternally grateful for those who pray for me. As I teach, as I preach, as I minister, as the Lord has called me to minister, um, I am, like, thank you so much. I know some of you are praying for me all the time, praying for my family. I am eternally grateful. Can I encourage you guys? Um, those who are trying to do their best communicating God's word, teaching the Bible, need our prayers. I'm not, listen, I think this is crucial. They need our prayer. Those that are teaching and preaching the word of God, they need our prayers, not our criticism. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us, listen, there is no spiritual gift of criticism. <laughs> or, your, or sermon connoisseurs. We don't have those here, but I've, I hear sermon connoisseurs. You know what connoisseurs are? I have some in my family that are wine connoisseurs. Like they're like experts on wine and they, they look at the... And then, hmm, that's a very fine year or whatever. <laughs> do you know people do that with sermons? Well, that, that could have been better if... It... Listen... Pastors and teachers don't need a connoisseur. They need prayer. I'm not talking if it's a false teacher teaching nonsense, but those that are trying their best to share the truth in love, they don't... And, and I found, you know what it means? If you're a sermon connoisseur, you need to be teaching. Maybe you have the gift of teaching, and you need to get out of your seat and start teaching. Start using your spiritual gift rather than being critical of someone that's trying to do their best. It doesn't happen here. I just hear about it. Paul needed prayers. I need prayer. Listen, I need prayer big time. I mean, people have no idea what it's like teaching week in and week out. <laughs> the, the spiritual warfare that happens. And, but the Lord does, and he helps, and we look to his strength. But Paul needed prayer, ministers sharing the word of God. We all need prayer, don't we? And God works through prayer. Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains. I'm in shackles. I'm imprisoned. In this situation, pray for me that I would have courage to speak. Notice this, as I ought to speak. Isn't that interesting? Paul's like, I've got to share this. Listen, if you had the cure for cancer, would you share it or hide it? Listen, you and I have the cure for death, and it's Jesus Christ. Why would we hide it? We ought to be sharing it. There's people all around us that are getting ready to perish and go to hell for all eternity. And it's like, they need to hear the good news. People shared with us, didn't they? The people shared with y'all? Did the church pray? 
Did the Ephesian church pray for Paul? Did God answer? Did, did, did that happen? Did they pray? And did, did God answer? How do we know? I know because I read ahead. <laughs> Philippians tells us. In Philippians, it tells us. Paul said, Caesar's household's getting saved. Guards are getting saved. What was happening? The guards are getting saved, and they're going to Caesar's household, and they're getting saved. How awesome is that? Like dominoes. One after another. Because why? Because the word is being shared and the prayer is being added to it, right? The one-two punch going, boom, boom. Big guns firing in prayer. The word of God being shared, right? The word of God has the DNA to change the life. Simply sharing the scripture simply with them. And the prayer that was happening, the boldness, the courage to share. Because we need that, don't we? Because Paul doesn't know if he's going to get a spear in the ribs. God, give me courage. Believers, pray for me. Let's finish it up. We got time. We got time. Sweet. But that you also may know my affairs and how I'm doing. Tychicus, or Tychicus, if you say it real fast, it sounds like you know what you're doing, right? Tychicus. A beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. This is so cool. So, what is Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, I'm sending this guy to you, Tychicus, and it's not the first time we hear about him. We read about him in Acts chapter 20. He's from Asia or modern-day Turkey. He's mentioned in a couple other letters. And Paul says, I'm sending him to you, and he is a beloved brother. He's loved. Isn't this a great description of someone's life, a Christian? He is much loved, and he is a faithful minister, a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. And so I look at that and say, is that what someone would say about me? I want to be loved. I want to be faithful. It's required in a steward that he be found faithful. We want to hear those words, don't we? When we, when we? when we take our last breath here to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so Paul's like, I want you, I want, I'm sending him and I want you to know what's going on with me. He's going to share with you. And then he says something else here too. In verse 22, he's not only coming to share with you about what we got going on, but that he may comfort your hearts. Isn't that beautiful? This is the body of Christ. This is what it means to be connected together right here. Fellowship and connectedness was important to Paul. Listen, why? Because it's important to God that we would be connected that we would love one another and serve one another and pray for one another. And listen, we are called to be those who comfort one another. Do you know that this morning? Has anyone here been comforted by God? You've received God's comfort? Do you know that makes you qualified to be a minister? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said that we are to comfort one another 
with the same comfort that we've received from God. And I know there are some people in this family here, this church, that need comfort, and maybe the Lord wants to use you to bring that comfort into their lives. Oh, maybe at work this week, the Lord wants to use you to bring His comfort, not Southern comfort, not comfort food, His comfort, the same comfort you received from Him. How would, how would God have you to be a tight chickus to someone in the body? To make contact, to bring comfort, to encourage. And then Paul blesses them as we finish. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Everyone's looking for it. Where is it found? It's found in the Father and in the Son, Jesus Christ. That's where love is found, true love, in the Father and the Son. Our lives as Christians, listen, our lives as Christians should be marked by peace and love. Are you with me? Sadly, some of the most upset, unruffled, undone people are Christians. Like chickens with their head cut off. Freaking out. Why do we have to freak out? What's there to freak out over? Is God working all things together for good? Are you going to heaven? Are your sins forgiven? Is he with you? Does he give you peace? Is that good news this morning? Do you have every spiritual blessing? Has God left you as an orphan? Is he giving you the Holy Spirit to comfort you, to help you, to teach you, to guide you? What do we have to freak out about? Paul's like, peace, brethren, and love from God the Father. Receive that. We have peace to give people, too. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he said, you have peace to give. Where we, Some people bring peace whenever they come. Some people don't. But peace is whenever they leave. We need to be those that bring peace where he leads us. And love with faith. Our faith should be filled with love, you guys. Correct? Isn't that what he says? Love with faith. Our faith should be so filled with love. Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by their love for one another. Our love, that's to be the mark of our lives. Caring for one another. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. And listen, we can have all the right doctrine and be so right we're wrong. Because we're not sharing the truth in love. We're not caring for people. It's just all, man, truth, truth without love is harsh, isn't it? It's like, boom, boom. It's like, no, there needs to be that balance of, of grace and truth, of sharing the truth in love. And so we care for one another. We make connections with one another. We experience God's peace. And maybe you're saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I'm timid. I'm scared. If I try to connect with people, I'm going to be out of my comfort zone. Listen, when you're out of your comfort zone, you know you're walking by faith, by the way. And the Lord will meet you right there because that's what he's asking you and I to do. To love one another, to serve one another, to comfort one another, to pray for one another. So, are there any one another instructions in the New Testament? There's a Christ, notice this, in sincerity. You got something genuine, a genuine love, a real love, nothing phony. 
You love Jesus, you get that grace. Grace comes to those who love Jesus in sincerity. That's pretty beautiful, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Is that how it ends too? Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning. I pray, God, for my brothers and sisters that, Lord, you would um, cause the precious to be removed from the vile, Lord, that the wheat from the husks, that my brothers and sisters would take away those things that have come from your heart, Lord, that your word would find a deep, rich place within each one of us, that we would embrace your word to keep your word and bear fruit that would bring you glory. God, I pray that your word would become the most important influence in our lives. That it would be your word that fashions us. And that each day we would look to your strength and put on your armor to experience new victories in, in battles we thought that we had no chance. Battles that come our way that as we hide your word in our hearts and bring out the sword and be in prayer, that we would experience just sweet victories and give all the praise and thanks to you. God, I pray you protect my brothers and sisters. Cause them to thrive and to abound under your care, our good shepherd. Guide their steps this week, Lord, I pray. Keep them close to your heart. Thank you for the great things, Lord, that you're going to do. Thank you that we are, our lives are in your hands. Our times are in your hands. Thank you for sharing with us so much. We love you. Thank you for first loving us. This morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study this morning, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you've been listening this morning and you realize you've never come to that place.